Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 609th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading for me and other writers over at Beyond the 90 at beyondthe90.substack.com and locally on Red Bull News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game here in the United States. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Now, I apologize for the issues last night on Tuesday. I uh, am glad that we got everything taken care of, so I'm able to give you a show tonight. So we are ready to go here on the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. So first things first, real quick. Kai Wagner of the Philadelphia Union, as we all saw in game one between the Revolution and the Union at Subaru Park, Kai Wagner made a racist claim or at least said a racist word aimed at Bobby Wood. And, of course, it was in German, and Bobby Wood, who did play in the German Bundesliga, can also speak and understand German and got three games to be suspended in these playoffs. Now, let me just say this. Um, glad that Bobby, uh, excuse me, that, that, that Kai Wagner admitted he did it. He did not beat around the bush. He admitted he did it. And I guess because of the light suspension, that's why the league gave him three and probably not six. But still, though, at least I want to give him credit. I want to give him credit for admitting he made a mistake because he did it under competitive emotions. These are the playoffs. Everything's getting ratcheted up. And I want to commend Kai Wagner for at least admitting he made a mistake. Now, has he, is he going to learn from this? I think he will. I truly believe this is not a taxis fountas situation where he vehemently denied it and then he does it again to his own teammate. Because for Kyle Wagner, I think he is an honorable player. I think he's a strong player. And I know he would never do anything like this. And at least he admitted he made a mistake. At least he stood up and said, I will take whatever punishment you give me. I'm sorry for what I did. This won't happen again. I give him credit for that. Dante Von Zier, who got suspended for six games, lost in translation on certain words, but still he said it, and he admitted to it. And he still took his punishment like a man. And that's what we want to see. 
when it comes to these situations. People stand up, raise their hand and say, it's my fault, my bad, I should never have done that, but I did do it, and I'm sorry. I think that's all we want to see, a learning moment, a teaching moment, because I'm telling you right now, before we go crazy and before we go completely bonkers about what needs to happen or he should be sent away for the rest of his life, away from MLS and all of this and all of that, which don't get me wrong, I'm not condoning the actions. We need to see if they're going to learn from their mistakes. And Kai Wagner automatically learned from his mistake. We'll find out if Dante Von Zier learned from his mistake next season. But you know who did not learn from his mistakes? Taxis Fountas. And he's no longer in MLS, and he's no longer with DC United, because he never learned. He never learned from his first mistake. Because if you learn from your first mistake... You're not bound to repeat it. He repeated that mistake, and that's why he's not here in Major League Soccer. This is why we got to give these people a fair chance to learn from their mistakes if they are not people we think they are. I've said this all along. I don't condone anything racist by anybody. They all deserve to learn from their mistakes, and they also deserve a second opportunity. But if they haven't learned from their second opportunity, that's when they got to go. That's when you guys say, we're done with you, we're terminating your services, and you're out of here. That's what all of us need to understand. Because we need to make sure our learning from the error of their ways. They must learn the errors of their ways. Because if they don't learn, it's bound to repeat. Everything is bound to repeat if you do not learn. What is going on? And let me also say this. Once again, I hope Dante Vonzier learned from what he did. It looks like Kai Wagner also learned from what he did. As long as there are teachable moments going on, this is the only way we can battle Racism in sports and racism across this country and across the globe. Real racism. Not fake, not political. Real racism. Real situations. Because if we're not going to learn, it's going to keep on repeating and repeating and repeating. Until we finally get to the point where it's going to get very messy and very disgusting. That's all I'm trying to explain to everybody here. 
Because if we don't learn from our mistakes, we're doomed to repeat them. And that's all I'm trying to inform you guys about. Learn from our mistakes so they are not repeated. But unfortunately, there will be those that will not care. Those who will be yelling, screaming, get rid of him now, end it now. We don't want him to learn. The only way he'll learn is when he's not in this sport ever again. No, we can't go there. If they knew they made a mistake, then let them learn it. If they don't learn, then they'll pay for it. But we have to learn the error of our ways no matter what. I think in in this era of how we're living these days, it's tough. It's very tough of what we're seeing on television these days. But we have to be strong. We have to be vigilant. Yes, we can still put our feet, our foot down, shout against it. But we've got to be careful on how we present ourselves in these situations. We must understand not everything is cut and dry. Not everything is simple as what was going on. There are difficult things and there are difficult moments that have to be addressed and they must learn. But I will say this once again, since Kai Wagner did not beat around the bush and he right away said, I know what I said, I should never have said it, and I'm sorry that I did. I apologize to – he says he, is, you know, he was sorry to his family for what he did. He was sorry to what he did to Bobby Wood. And if Bobby Wood was able to forgive him, I'm glad he – and I hope he did. We can move on. But once again, the hope is this never happens again. We need more teaching moments unless there is real evidence, not fake evidence, not political racism evidence, real evidence of racism being said no matter where it is. Because this is where witch hunts destroys the credibility of actually being honest and going after people who are truly racists in their bones. That's all you have to say about it right now. That's why we got to make sure we have the evidence and the facts. And that is why we keep missing and we keep accusing for no reason. Yes, it's horrible. It's disgusting. I'm standing against it. I hate it. I don't want it. But once we get the information, then we can digest it. We need to know the emotions of that person who made the claim, who said what he said. 
if we don't do that, then real justice does not get served. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Kai Wagner, thank you for being honest. Thank you for standing up like a real man and telling all of us you did it. You didn't mean to do it, but you did it. And you know what? Thank you for being honest about what you did. Please never, ever do that again. That's all we can say right now. Just please never, ever do that again. Because if you do it one more time, Mr. Vag- Mr. Wagner, I think the Philadelphia Union are going to have no choice but to say we're going to say goodbye to you. And all the good you've done with the union will be thrown out. I know you don't want it, and I also know the union supporters probably don't want it, but the union will have no choice but to do so because you did what you shouldn't have done. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. But other than that, this, my friends, is what we have to endure with when it comes to these types of situations. That's all I'm going to say, and that's all that's going to be. Great show for you tonight. Uh, my guest for the second segment, which is uh, Tommy Quinlan, unfortunately, is not able to come on tonight, but we did reschedule for next week. So next Tuesday, which will be November the 14th, he'll be on to talk about Rhode Island FC. But first things first, my first guest, uh, and who was supposed to be on last night as well, unfortunately could not uh, be with me tonight. We re- did a recording, though. Mr. Charles Catone, writer, uh, reporter, covering soccer in the United States, did a project book on Pele's adventures with the New York Cosmos in the North American Soccer League. And... He came on to record with me to talk about his book, and here is that interview right now. And welcome back to the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. This is Daniel Feuerstein, and joining me now is my first guest, as this gentleman is a very well-known writer and author, as well as in the sports news business, of course. Mr. Charles Catone joins me to talk about his brand-new book, his picture book of Pele during his time with the New York Cosmos of the North American Soccer League. Charles, good evening, and how are you? Hi, Daniel. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Now, it's great to have you on. It's been a while since we've spoken, but still, though, uh, it's great to have you on the show to talk about this project you were uh, a part of. Now, Pele, as we all know, was at the time the biggest name to come to the United States and in North America to be a part of the New York Cosmos, and just his name alone was significant enough to bring the hype and the hoopla to the North American Soccer League. Why now are you doing this book involving Pele and his time with the Cosmos and in North America? Well, I think I think two things. It, it, it's a it's a tribute to him, and you know, of course, he passed away last December. Um, so that was really kind of the genesis that 
that really pushed it over um, over the goal line, if you will. Um, it's a project that, that George Tiedemann, uh, who did the photography for this book, uh, he spent 25 years with Sports Illustrated and was the North American Soccer League official league photographer. Um, he, he'd actually been trying to get this done for quite some time, uh, and they came very close a number of years ago um, before the, the World Cup here in 1994. Um, but it, it, one reason or another, it didn't happen. And uh, he, he came back to me. He came to me with this with this project earlier this year, and you know I just said, yeah, we we've got to we've got to get this done um, because I, I think looking at where soccer is in this country right now, none of that is where it is had Pele not come here in 1975. His signing with the Cosmos completely changed the image the trajectory of the sport, really every, everything about it. It really did. And just to get the sport over the hump through Pele, of course, was just amazing to watch. I was just a kid, obviously, uh, when Pele came to North America, to the New York Cosmos. Um, my father, my mother, my aunt, my uncle, they saw him play most of the time. But obviously, when you hear the stories from your parents and your grandparents, uh, my good, and even, you know, colleagues and people like yourself and Michael Lewis and all the original soccer writers back in that era, just to hear the stories about Pele was just fascinating. And, and even to he see the, some of the things he's done back in those World Cups for Brazil was just tremendous as well. Yeah, the, the, thing, the thing that this generation, and, and nothing against Lionel Messi, I think he's a, he's a tremendous talent, he's a great player. Um, you know, obviously his, his coming to MLS this year um, provided, you know, a tremendous amount of publicity for the league. But if you really can't compare the two in terms, you know, if, if you look 10, 20 years from now at what Messi did for MLS, maybe taking it to the next level. But if you look back to when Pele came here, there was no level. I mean, there there was just it, the, the sport. The sport was really not on anybody's radar. It, it was starting to show a few signs of promise in some markets on the West Coast that they had they had just recently expanded to, and it it just it really it it just jump started the sport again. I mean, it it had been big before before World War II to a certain degree, but it, his coming here really jump-started it. I mean, you, you look at where MLS is now, and that's all built on the shoulders of what Pele and the NASL did back in the 70s. You know, there, there were no soccer-specific stadiums. There wasn't soccer on television. It, it was almost impossible to find information about the game. There were a handful of small magazines that, that covered soccer, and maybe if you were lucky, you'd, you'd find a little a little story in the New York Times because Alex Janis was really pushing to get something in there or in the, in the Star-Ledger uh, because of iTunes, but but really for the most part, the, the sport, especially in the New York area, was was all but invisible, um, and and the facility where the team had to play. I mean, I know New York City supporters complain about Yankee Stadium, but that.
Dallas compared to, to Downing Stadium on Randall's Island um, when Pele came in, in his first year. And, 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 of course, the Cosmos played at Yankee Stadium in 1976, Pele's second year before moving out to Giant Stadium. Exactly. And I think, obviously, I remember as a kid driving across the Triborough Bridge going from the Bronx or Manhattan into Queens, and you see that dump on Randall's Island, <laughs> Downing Stadium back in the day, which is now Econ Stadium, which is much better looking than what it used to be back in those days. And, of course, uh, remembering the old film about the Cosmos, how they had to paint green to make the field look like it was natural grass, and Pele thought, what the hell is this on my leg? Mm-hmm. I I was I was one of the painters. Oh my God! I I I was one of one of the Cosmos staff that was out there at uh, about ten or ten thirty uh, that Sunday morning um, with a, a galvanized watering can and house paint that we were just pouring onto the dirt patches and and kind of trying to uh, to to cover up to cover up the dirt and actually. George's photography in this book is so fantastic that if you look you look at some of the pictures in the book from that first game and you can see where we painted the dirt and where it's actually grass huh. which in most places it's not grass it's mostly dirt um and that was after having to pick you know rocks and and glass and things like that out of the dirt as well. Oh exactly. Um, I yeah, mean, it was yeah. it was just um, it, it was really not a good a good place to play, but it was the only place there was at the time. Yep, no, absolutely, you got to find a place to play, and if that was the only place at the time, I completely understand. And you know, the '70s in New York City back in the day, you can too attest to it. It wasn't a great place. Certain parts of the certain parts of Manhattan wasn't so good, unfortunately. But you know what? <laughs> Uh, that's what it was back in the day. Um, now, with the book, is this mostly Pele at Downing Stadium, Yankee Stadium, and Giant Stadium? Or did George also take the photos when the Cosmos were on the road against the Rowdies, the Strikers, the Adams? Uh, yes. Um, yes, actually, the, the, the way, the, way the, prog- the progression of the book is, is it's it's basically centered around three key games. His his, his first game um, at Randall's Island against the Dallas Tornado, which was an in-season exhibition game that was scheduled um, pretty much in a hurry. Um, the soccer bowl that the Cosmos defeated the Seattle Sounders in Portland, and his farewell game. But there is a center chapter of the book which basically is other games, other events um, in his time here. There, there are pictures in there from, um, let's see, games against the Tampa Bay Rowdies in Tampa, uh, games against um, the Washington Diplomats in Yankee Stadium. Uh, there are a couple of pictures from uh, actually the day that he signed the Cosmos had a game on the road against the Philadelphia Adams, and he kicked out the first ball for that game. So there are some pictures from that game. Um, there are pictures from the American Bicentennial Cup in um, 1976, uh, which was a tournament that involved Brazil, Italy, and England. And 
Team USA, which was basically an NASL selection that included um, Pele and um, Rodney Marsh and, and other players from from around uh, from around the league. Wow, that's amazing! And obviously, when it was USA versus Brazil, Pele didn't play that match because he said he would never play against his home country wearing that shirt. Exactly. And they they played that game in the uh, I believe it was in the Kingdom, and yeah, he he sat on the bench for the whole game. No, and I don't blame him, even though it's just an All Star. It really should have been an All Star team, not a USA team. It really should have been an All Star team back in the day. But you know, look, yeah. we can't complain about it now. It's done and dusted. It already happened. So, but but still, though, this is amazing to to uh, understand and to the, this project that you and George were able to do is just amazing. And I know. Uh, you were in Times Square at the Pele Soccer Shop, uh, and how was that event for all of us? I, I know I couldn't make it. I really wanted to. I wasn't able to. Of course, you know why. But yeah. um, how was yeah. that event for all it, those people to come over? It, it was a great event. It got a, a lot of really good feedback. We had we had a pretty nice crowd. Um, you know, it was low key. It was his birthday, so we decided it would have been his 83rd birthday. So we made it. You know, a tribute. We did a we did a little video presentation, um, and we we had some people speak, um, to, you know, giving giving tribute to Pele. People that that knew him, Warner Roth, the the captain of the Cosmos, when when they won the Soccer Bowl in '77, uh, and of course who also starred in the movie Victory with with Pele. Um, Warner Warner came in for this event and um you know very, made a very nice um very nice tribute to his his friend and teammate. Was Shep missing there? No, he was not. Uh, yeah, I know Shep took it hard when he passed away. I know. That. Shep Shep did Shep did a very nice tribute in the book. Um what we did was we had about a dozen soccer personalities provide us either with a, with a personal story about them and Pele, or with some with some kind of tribute. So Shep Messing, um, Brandy Chastain, uh, Bobby Arushi, who was on the Cosmos, Kenny Cooper Senior, who was on the Dallas Tornadoes uh, for that that first game, a um, number of other people, um, teammates, opponents, people that are, you know have been and are involved in soccer. Uh, so that kind of part of what fills out the book is those is those tributes. If I can ask you this, Charles, obviously the day that Pele died was such a very sad moment for everyone that loved the sport, that people who saw him play, who idolized him, you worked for the Cosmos at the time uh, to paint that field at Downing Stadium, but in your mind, obviously, what was it about Pele that struck you that you want to be a part of this game? Well, I, I think, you know, it, it's it, it's the kind of, I think as much as anything, it, it's not that he was such a great player. I think it was that he was such a great person. Um, every single story that I have heard from other people about him, and and we were, you know, he and I were friends for over 40 years. I mean, not... You know, not hey, you know, let's hang out 
tonight friends, but you know, we were friends over the you know, over the years and would see each other and spend some time together and when he had his office in New York I'd visit once in a while. Um and I, I'd see him at events and things like that. And it was just the way he treated people. He made, he, you know, this was probably, other than maybe Muhammad Ali and whoever was the Pope at the time, one of the three most famous people in the world. But to, to be with him, he, he made you feel like you were important. He made you feel like he cared about you because he honestly did. And, and he remembered things, you know, as many... Uh, you know, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people, you know, that he was introduced to or, or met over, you know, his his lifetime. But he remembered people and he remembered things about them and he remembered past, you know, interactions with them. And it's it just, you know, and it and it wasn't for show because I, I, I just, you know, I had some very, some very personal moments with him when it was just the two of us. Um, you know, no cameras, no reporters, you know, not in a locker room or that kind of thing. And it just, it was just really as much as anything, his personality and, and the type of person that he was. And, you know, he always had a smile. He was always happy to see people and to meet people. I never saw him turn down an autograph or a picture with anybody. You know, he was always happy to do it, always had a smile on his face. And, and I think as much as anything, that, that's what really, you know, made him the greatest salesman for this game that there has ever been. And, and you have to remember, too, you know, back in 1975, when he came to the Cosmos, I had never seen him play. I had never even seen a video or, a, you know, film or a clip or anything. I've you know, seen some articles in the newspapers. And that was the case, I think, for the vast majority of people. They knew his name maybe from the newspapers or, you know, if, if they were of some ethnicity maybe saw some, you know, World Cup games on closed circuit or something like that. Unlike, say, you know, Lionel Messi, where we have literally seen everything Messi has ever done probably since he joined Barcelona. You, you want to find his goals, you want to find his great, you know, his great moment. It, it's all out there. And, you know, we've seen it on TV in this country and we've seen it, on YouTube and, and, and wherever else. Um, in Pele's era, that wasn't there. So right. it was just, you know, his his reputation as much as anything um, and the type of person that he was, I think that is, is what, you know, what really spurred this interest, you know, in the sport. And then when people came to see him, it, it was... You know, it, it was something to see. You knew you were seeing something special. Yep, it really, really was, and he was such a special player. The one good thing, though, back then, no one uh, pitch invaded for his picture or for his autograph the way they do with Messi now, which is I'm that's just getting, not, I'm getting sick and tired of it. I feel bad for that's him. That's not true. No, really? No, that is not true. Tell me. It, it was it was more difficult to do a giant stadium because that that wall from the first row to the field, I mean, that was 10 or 12 feet. That was, that was a big, um, you know, that was a big jump. So people were not as willing to do it then. But in Boston in 1975, 
um, the, the Cosmos played the Minutemen at Nickerson Field. And, you know, the team maybe normally would draw a couple of thousand fans. Um, and I don't remember what the capacity was, but they oversold the stadium. Oh, no. I mean, people were standing. Um, they were standing on the sidelines. They were standing on the end lines. Um, and there was a goal. Um, and the crowd just kind of surged onto the field. Oh, my goodness. Um, to where Pele's, Pele's bodyguard, um, Pedro Garay, threw Pele to the ground and covered him up, um, you know, kind of laid over him and covered him up. And they actually, they, they, they brought um, a stretcher and an ambulance out, not that he was injured, but just to get him off the field. Wow. Um, and, and the Cosmos protested the game, and it was, it was replayed. But, yeah, there, there, there were instances, not as many maybe now, because not everybody, you know, back then, everybody wasn't walking around with a camera in their pocket um, like we have cell phones now. So there, just, there, there wasn't that, you know, there wasn't that sort of incentive to get out there and get the picture. But, yeah, there, there were always people you know, running out onto the field wanting to shake hands with him or whatever. And it even happened in, in his first game um, when he scored a goal. Um, and then people, you know, ran out um, onto the field and had to be cleared by by security. That's amazing. So it, it's, it's not anything new, and neither is the idea of a player having a personal bodyguard. Nope. Uh, uh, we've 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 seen Messi's personal bodyguard way too many times. That's for sure. Well, Pele's personal bodyguard is in a lot of the pictures in this book. You you can see him. Um, you know, not so much the ones on the field, but the more candid. You know, off field and 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 when they're you know walking on and off or in locker room or things like that. All right. You can see his bodyguard. That's gonna be amazing. That I can't. That's amazing. I can't wait to see those pictures. That would be so awesome. But, Charles, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you, you coming on and, and you sharing your your new project with everyone here on the show. I hope to have you back on again soon. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. And once again, that is Charles. Whoops. Once again, that is Charles Catone. Uh, giving us his project about his uh, new picture book on Pele during his time with the New York Cosmos. You can purchase that book at uh, bookstores, uh, wherever you go, whether it's at your mall, your strip mall. Uh, you could also order it online at Amazon.com. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun if you want your own copy of Charles Catone's book, which once again is called Pele, his North American Years. It's a tribute book filled with pictures of Pele playing for the New York Cosmos, and it's on the shelves right now at bookstores near you, or you can order it online at Amazon. So uh, that should be uh, exciting and a lot of fun, and hopefully um, we uh, 
uh, we'll we'll talk to more with Charles uh, once again on any other projects he'll be doing uh, soccer wise and stuff. But great stuff, amazing things, and uh, hopefully uh, everyone will enjoy that book and that they can go ahead and have some fun with that. Um, I have to get uh, my own copy and. Hopefully it will be taken care of. But once again, you can pick up that book at your local bookstore or once again online at Amazon. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun when you uh, order your own end and your own copy, I should say. So it should be uh, exciting and a lot of fun. Um, and now we get to talk about something that I, I'm not happy with. And once again, the, we're questioning – the motive here of a certain player from FC Cincinnati by the name of Matt Miazga, who after Cincinnati defeated the Red Bulls in the playoffs, he had to go and follow the referees into the locker room, into their locker room to have a conversation, whether it was heated or not. He went somewhere that he was not allowed to go into, the referee's locker room. Reports are coming from the Professional Referees Union. They want Major League Soccer to suspend him for more games than the one-match suspension he'll be getting because of the double yellow he received in the second game of the first round against the Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena. That it was not security to pull him away from the referee's locker room, but it was a member of the FC Cincinnati coaching staff. And I want to be clear to the supporters of FC Cincinnati, because while I think it's nice what you guys are doing, that you are protesting for Miazga to not be suspended more, for what he did. And I also would like to say that you believe he was not being harsh at the officials. That's fine. That's your thoughts on the reports that have been coming out. But I want to be very clear about this. I do not give a damn if he was being nice, giving flowers, chocolates, picnic basket for a sandwich. Or he went in there like a house on fire. The minute you walk past the front door to your locker room, either at TQL Stadium or on the road, and you head straight to the referee's room, you are asking for trouble. You are asking for trouble. Do I think the, the officiating was great that match? Absolutely not. I think the I think the referee was horrible for both teams. I thought the referee was inconsistent. I thought the referee was crap. But that doesn't mean it gives Matt Miazga the right go into the referee's locker room or walking, running, jogging, skipping to a loo, my darling to the referee's locker room door to go after the official, the officials, for how they officiated the match. 
he can have a chat if he wanted to. He can have a conversation with them if he wanted to. It's okay to have a dialogue, to have a conversation, but do not approach them in a way that they feel threatened. And even if it was consensual, it's got to be said, and it wasn't. I think Matt Miazga is a nice guy. He's a, he's a competitor. He wants to win. I understand. He used to be through the Red Bull Academy. He's a homegrown from Clifton, New Jersey. Without a doubt, he is a competitor. And he has every right to share his thoughts about the match and what happened to him during the match with the official. After the match is either done at the half or after it's done completely. Casual, calm conversation. But what he did was wrong. And if he does get an additional suspension, you're just going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's nothing he should have done there to put himself in that position. This is what you have to do. You must not cross the line inside the tunnel, inside the hallways of a visiting stadium or at home at TQL to go after the officials once you've passed the threshold of the locker room for your club. Plain and simple, it was the wrong thing to do. And if you still don't understand that, well, now you're going to learn when Matt Miazga will get additional matches suspended for what he did. Period. No ands, ifs, or buts. He's done. For this year, in my opinion, that should be suspendable for the rest of the playoffs. And if Cincinnati does get eliminated in the playoffs at any time, any matches should be moved into the start of the 2024 MLS regular season. Because he should not have gone towards the official's locker room or the locker room door. Okay? He should not have done that. And I will also say this, and I know you guys know, I also cover the Red Bulls. If any New York Red Bull player did that at Red Bull Arena and or on the road at any stadium in MLS, then I would be doing the same thing. They should be suspending that player for whatever how many games he should get. If, he, if that said player if was on the Red Bulls, did the same thing that Matt Miazga did, he should be suspended for the entire playoffs as well. Because you cannot do that. You can't. I just don't understand 
what the problem is. I admit, when it comes playoff time, referees are not going to be that good. I know they don't want to be the focal point, but they're going to be the focal point no matter what because of how they're going to be officiating the match. They have no choice. They're going to be involved in one way or the other, even though they're trying not to. All we are asking from them is to be better. But I'm also asking Matt Miazga to be better, to not go on a rampage, or or even if he wasn't on a rampage. Do not go beyond the threshold of the FC Cincinnati locker room. Do not. It's not that hard to admit to that, to adhere to that. Do not do it. Don't do it. And I really do hope MLS, you know, basically throws a book at him and suspends him for the entire playoffs. And if FC Cincinnati comes back from the international break for the next home match in the playoffs, gets eliminated at any time, put those matches that he was supposed to serve a suspension for into the start of the 2024 MLS regular season. Because these players need to learn they cannot intentionally go after officials towards their locker room. Period. It's very disheartening. It's very disgusting. And I'm sad. Because I know he's a good kid. I know he's a solid center back And he can play the position very well, and he does a great job. But if you're going to act like an ass, which is what he did, do not deny it. He acted like an ass. He should not have done so. I mean, seriously, he's got to learn from this. I know how he is. I've seen him play before at Red Bull Arena. We've seen him on the U.S. men's national team with an attitude. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a great thing he's got an attitude. I'm happy because it shows he's not messing around. But his problem is this. He needs to calm himself down, and he cannot continue to pull that crap again. So I hope this is a learning moment for Matt Miazga. And I hope he will never do something like that again for no reason, period. Just remember, I'm not saying this because I'm a Red Bull reporter. I'm saying this because I don't want any player on any club in this league to go after the referees the way that he did. Okay? The, co- the confrontation situation is a serious thing. I know it's a, an emotional game. I know we are trying to not remove emotions playing these games, these playoff games. But honestly, honestly, 
We cannot continue to have these types of situations happen again. We are not from South America. We have seen so much happening in other places around the world that we have seen attacks on officials. It cannot happen. Cannot. Better than this. Okay? And that's not just for Miazga or anyone on Cincinnati. That's for every single player on every single major league soccer club, including the one that I cover in the New York Red Bulls. Do not go after the officials. Do not. Because you're not going to win that argument. You're going to lose. And you're going to lose very badly. And I really do hope that does not happen ever again. And so, as we move on here on the 40th Fire American Soccer Show, I want to encourage all of you on Friday, November the 17th, to go to the movies. And please go see Next Goal Wins by Michael Fassbender on the story of Thomas Rongen going to American Samoa to not only be their head coach, to get them into World Cup, to get them into the World Cup through qualification in the Oceania Football Confederation, but the life lessons he's learned with those players. And f- for those of you that are not familiar with that, it is a true story. I was, I remember being sent the documentary film when he did go to American Samoa to get them ready to go for World Cup qualifying. I cannot wait to see the movie. I will go and see the movie when it comes out, and hopefully I'll have Thomas Rongen back on the show to talk about it because I remember watching his uh, documentary movie uh, that was sent to me by his director. And uh, it was very, very well done. And hopefully, love to talk to uh, Thomas Rongen about that. And, of course, he was seen on Morning Footy about it. But once again, it, it's, uh, it's really great to see Thomas Rongen getting the accolades he so deserves for what he has done for American Samoa and continues on that story about him. And hopefully, we'll have him back on the show to talk about it. Um. Now we talk about the New York Rebels, and yes, don't worry, we'll get to uh, we'll get to it. Uh, the big news that came out of USL uh, with CBS. Actually, get to it right now, real quick. The United Soccer Leagues and CBS Sports has a four-year contract to broadcast United Soccer League's Championship League and League One. Seasons for the next four years starting next year on CBS Sports National, CBS Sports Network, the Golazo Network, Paramount Plus, and to have all clubs and players on those clubs talked on through their shows, Morning Footy, Box to Box, Sportsline, CBS Sports uh, HQ will have those 
highlights for the USL. Obviously, there'll be a lot of things through USL. There'll be 100 games combined. And the championship finals for both USL Championship and USL League One will be on CBS Sports National. It is a great thing to see for the United Soccer Leagues getting this deal with CBS Sports. Obviously, there's still 500 other matches left to go. Where will they go? We'll see what happens. Obviously, it would be nice if ESPN would remain a broadcaster with the United Soccer Leagues because I think they are still a part of it. That's just my opinion. We'll wait for that story to come out. If it has already come out, then it's official. If not, we'll wait till the story comes out. But I think it'd be beneficial for the United Soccer Leagues to have two broadcasters handle everything. And so far, it's great to see CBS Sports coming up big once again. It's just absolutely fantastic. So all you can do is be happy for the United Soccer Leagues, be happy for CBS Sports, and they are once again defining. So that's going to be great. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. And uh, starting next year, and don't forget this coming Sunday night, Charleston Battery hosting Phoenix Rising on ESPN2, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. It will be Mike Watts and Devin Kerr on the call live on ESPN2. should be exciting, and it should be a lot of fun. Now, talk about the New York Red Bulls. Look, um, they've battled hard. They did well, as well as they could. Unfortunately, they fell to the Supporter Shield champions. And while it's tough to see them not advance into a third game in this first round, look, penalty kick shootouts are crap shoots. We all know that. They had two chances to bury it, to win it. Sadly, John Tolkien nails the post, nails the post and out. Uh, Serge Goma he basically had a chance to do it but unfortunately skies it over the crossbar and it would be Cincinnati that would do the damage and advance to the next round now let me just say this everybody let me just say this you know I know everyone was disappointed in how it ended. And yes, you're bemoaning it's another playoff failure. But if you really think about the way the Red Bull season went this year, I think they were very lucky, very, very lucky that they got to that position at the right time. But once again, They were battling a lot of injuries. Sean Nealis, decent opening 45, but he was still playing injured. I know he converted the penalty kick, but still, though, he was playing injured. And he just couldn't go any further. Not excusing it, but you got to be realistic in these situations. 
And hopefully this is a growing moment, a teaching moment. And at the same time, got to give credit to Troy Lassane on how he's gotten this team to fight, to battle and play hard and go and basically just doing a job that, let's be honest, no one thought he was able to do, and he did. I give Troy Lassane a lot of credit for what he has done. And at the same time, I really think that depending on what the front office does, Mario Gomez, uh, global director of Red Bull football, Joachim Schneider, even Mark de Grand Prix, but mostly Joachim Schneider because he is director of sport for the Red Bulls. It's up to them to decide whether to stick with Lassane or they feel like they want to go into a different direction. And if they don't, then Troy will have the job. If they do, mark my words, he'll go to another MLS club and he'll do some great things over there. But obviously Troy, you know, did an amazing job and he deserves any accolades possible. Great goal by Tom Barlow. Great job in the opening 45 by the Red Bulls. They frustrated Cincinnati. But once again, substitutions matter. And substitutions by Pat Noonan really got Cincinnati back into the match. And they were able to go out and get the victory and move on to the next round. So we'll see what happens. And other than that, this was a great show. Thank you for listening to me tonight. I want to thank my guest through the recording, Mr. Charles Catone. And once again, buy his book, Pele, his North American years with the New York Cosmos, once again in bookstores near you or online through Amazon. My name is Dan, and oh, excuse me, tomorrow night, my 2023 Major League Soccer Cup playoffs, game two, round one review. 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. It should be fun. It should be exciting. Cannot wait. I want to thank my guest once again, Charles Catone, for recording with me. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long. Bye-bye for now and talk to you tomorrow night. Take care, everybody.